Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host. Doc G with me as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Ferticus Charette. What's up? What's up? What's up? You know, I haven't added to your name in a while, Mike. I need to do that. We need to, there needs to be <laughs> yeah. something. I mean, we're, we're stuck at like four, four names. That's, that's not acceptable. Blam. We need at least 50. We need at least, by the time I finish the name, everyone to stop listening to the show. They're like, <laughs> and that's enough. I don't know where he's going with this. Done. <laughs> Done. Mike, how was the, uh, how's the week been so far? Hmm. Uh, it's been great. I've been making killer coffee every morning, Doc mm. G. I don't mm. I think I've been grinding the whole beans mm. for a longer period of time, thinking I'm going to get like an espresso, but it's just been making my coffee fantastic. Just getting great. in there, just getting more surface yeah. area of bean <laughs> to water ratio. I yeah, gotcha. exactly. Mm -hmm. But I wonder though, if like when I grind them too, like core, is it coarse? Mm. That, that, that the too water fine. flows too fine that mm -hmm. the water flows through too easy. So it doesn't get as much of the absorption. It doesn't. Well, I think you'd yeah. have to up the, the uh, filter then. You'd have mm. to up the, the size of the filter or decrease the oh. size of the filter so it goes through slower. Like mm. get like a, I don't know, uh, I don't know how many ply uh, filters are, but get like an 80 <laughs> an, ply an filter. Mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just put an N95 mask in there. That'll take like four hours to get through that thing. Sweet. You're really percolating then. Uh, we're, on, we're on to something, Mike. Quit the show. We're going to make N95 coffee filter uh, mask. Hilarious. Need so to do funny. that. Make. I'm making a note. I'm doing a science experiment. It's happening. I'm excited about that. N95. People will see it and be like, he's just wasting nine N95 mask on coffee? What bag? Uh, anyways, uh, that is. I like that. It's good that you got uh, good coffee. It makes for good weeks, Mike. That makes for yeah, good weeks. It, it is. It is. How about you, think, Doc G? How are you doing? How's your week? You know, it's not bad. I... I've been I, I I was musing over something that I saw this uh, this weekend actually um, mm. on, on the show Mike uh, before you you uh, started uh, hosting with me there we we've talked about guard llamas on the show so true hmm. guard have llamas you, yeah have you ever heard of guard llamas hmm. no just only llamas yeah. <laughs> Well, apparently, llamas just aren't llamas, Mike. They are fierce <laughs> warriors of the farm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you need to protect something, maybe like a herd, you should mm. thank guard llama. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't let their goofy neck and goofy face and <laughs> goofy ears and everything else that's goofy on their body fool you, Mike. They are warriors okay they are frightening ninjas of the farm that is mm, okay that is a llama but uh ever since i found this uh information out about llamas i've tried to highlight their gifts on the doc g show that's a fact and 
you know, it's been a dream of mine to have a llama for the show, but it's it's not really practical for a radio show mm. to have a llama, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I found out this weekend, though, I might be looking at the wrong animal. Mm. I might be looking, or overlooking, should I say, their their furry cousin. The the, al- the alpaca. <laughs> Close. Close, but the alpaca. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now, I was flipping through the banger daily news from Maine because who doesn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. We all we all like to look at the banger daily news. So true. And they literally had an article, Mike, on how great alpacas are. Word. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and tell you, they're not warriors like llamas, okay? In fact, they're a little bit of lovers. But since... Our show is really great at wasting ta- time. I thought, <laughs> why not tell you and the listeners about how great alpacas are? I'm going to mm. give you the 10 alpaca facts that the Banger Daily News gave me. Are you ready? Yes, I am more than ready. I can't wait okay. to hear these alpaca okay, good. facts. Yeah, yeah. You'll <laughs> after this, you'll probably buy one yourself. The lovers. You'll be you'll be the dude walking around Las Vegas with an alpaca, and people will be like, "There's Mike and his alpaca, just hanging." Yeah, that's him. He, uh, you be know too what? Unusual, I guess. I, in this, city. I, I heard I heard he makes coffee for Men ninety five masks too. Mm. That dude, yeah, he's got his own shop. Whatever, kinda. whatever, whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. So I guess got his alpaca is correct too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, first fact: there are no wild alpacas. They're all domesticated. Oh. Yeah. Not a single wild alpaca out there. So in case you were planning on setting some alpaca traps out, don't. There's no use. <laughs> you will not catch them. You may catch a llama, and then you'll be killed trying to release it from the trap because they're so furious. But mm. alpacas, completely domesticated. They were basically, uh, you know, they, they were genetically... I guess selected for, as you could say, from sort of a wild version of them in the uh, in South America. I forget the name of the the animal that that is related to them, the camelid that is related to them. It's like something with a V. It's like a oh, okay, the, yeah, yeah. But apparently they all came from them. Now, number two, alpacas are incredibly empathetic. Mm. Yes. <laughs> okay. They I feel. Like that. If you're distraught, Mike, they're like, really? Are you upset, bro? Are you okay? So, like, if you're feeling like the world doesn't understand you, no reason to go to a psychiatrist or a counselor. Just buy an alpaca. Mm. They will They will walk <laughs> you off that ledge, Mike. They will make you feel good about yourself and about hanging out with an alpaca. So, let's let you know. Number three, okay. alpacas are fastidious when it comes mm. to the call of nature. So apparently, the whole herd, right? If you've got like, let's say 25 alpacas, the whole <laughs> herd will choose one place to poop, and that's it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like they all, mark like off all the spot. time? That, yeah. That they, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they'll just be like, hey, this corner, that's the crap corner. Don't go near it. That's our crap corner. And everybody, which I mean, you got to admit, that's pretty awesome. Like, because when you compare that to horses and cows, like go to a cow pasture. 
They're just crap bombs all over the field. Yeah, and like, And even more disturbing is that they're eating grass like three inches away from crap. And you're like... <laughs> That's, Never thought of that. That's not <laughs> getting. Yeah. It's not getting to you, buddy. You're okay with that? <laughs> All right. Like these guys, they're not okay with that. No, they have one area, and that's it. That's it. I was gonna say. So that's what fastidious means, because I don't know. I didn't. I, I've never heard that word in my life. And uh, yeah, it, you know. it extremely <laughs> like they're yes, the fine groom, fine. You know, uh, very very detailed. Is yeah. you know that's that's very detailed is, is what we're looking at. Um, that's hilarious. Now number four, this goes along with number three. Alpaca's poop is like gold to gardeners. Word. Hmm. Okay. Apparently, since they have three stomach systems, they they got like three stomachs in a stomach. Uh, now cows have five uh, stomachs within a stomach. But apparently they have three, and their poop, because of that, comes out composted. It's basically already compost. It's like fertilizer, just ready to go. Wow. So Yeah. 25-pound okay. bags of dried alpaca manure are going for about $40 each on uh, the wow. internet. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but I've only sold my manure online and i only could get like half of that like twenty dollars <laughs> and that yeah, that was good i don't know yeah, what you're selling but that was mainly to a dude in oklahoma that said he wanted to use it in grocery stores so <laughs> i don't don't know what that was all about um okay five <laughs> sort of goes along with three and four alpacas are grass connoisseurs hmm. yeah 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 I mean, that's obviously a good thing. I mean, you need to know as an animal what a delicacy grass is. So true. It's yes, I mean, very much yeah, so. It's good they can distinguish good grass from stank grass that nobody would want. I mean, obviously, that's important. So it's good that yeah. they can find that that high quality grass. But apparently, if you put bad grass in front of them. They're going to hold their nose up to it. They're going to be like, really? <laughs> really? You bring this crappy stuff in front of me? No, thank you. Nope. No, thank you. Nope. Maybe a, maybe a cow's grass. This is not alpaca grass here. If you get one of those like special needs alpacas, yeah. you really got to make sure you don't get one that's too picky about the grass. Well, yeah. Not special. It, what is it called? The, ther the therapy animals? Yeah, service. Service animals. Service animals, animals yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can you have an alpaca? I don't know. Oh, of course you can. I mean, you can basically have any kind of any kind yeah. of therapy, emotional support animal. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, I think I think an alpaca would be amazing one. Be a little <laughs> bit hard hard to get on a plane, but it'd be yeah. an amazing one. Um, next, a happy alpaca is a fleece producing alpaca. Mm. You know, that's the biggest thing for alpacas. They have a really nice fleece. They have mm. a really nice wool. Apparently, well, I mean, we don't call it wool because it's not coming from a, sh a sheep. But um, apparently, uh, if if alpacas feel threatened or stressed, their their fleece will grow out much weaker and less dense. Oh. So it'll be it will it will be inferior alpaca fleece. <laughs> yeah. So so if you're an alpaca farmer and you give them some stank grass you better expect some stank police okay that's all i'm saying yeah. it's you, you just gotta deal with it you you better bring some high quality stuff
Yeah, you better the bring compost some. might not be as good. You're just exactly really your investment. Everything will go downhill. Everything. <laughs> uh, seven alpacas need romance. Word. So, so in other species, right? There's a heat cycle for females mm-hmm. uh, at the time that they can actually get a par- uh, get pregnant. Apparently, alpacas they they stay ready. They're ready to go, but <laughs> they're not ready for anybody. The female alpaca has to be wooed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the alpaca farmer that talked to the newspaper uh, said their most successful male has never been rejected by any of the female alpacas and has sired over 50 prize-winning babies. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and his name was Space Cowboy. Yeah. That's a good name. (laughs) I mean... I can only imagine what Space Cowboy the Alpaca is like. You know, I bet I bet people call him the gangster of love. I'm yeah, going to bet people call him Maurice because he speaks <laughs> the pompadence of love. He's a picker. He's a grinner. He's a lover and a sinner. He plays his music in the sun. So true. Mike, I don't know if you know that was a... I do. I do. That's the lyrics from impressive. the Joker. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those that, lyrics. The Joker. The Joker by Steve Miller Great Band, song. everybody. Yes. Great song. Yes. Uh, and it's got to be his theme song. Space Cowboy must listen to that every single day. I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. Um, eight. Alpacas grieve. Hmm. They, uh. Again, like I told you, they're very emotional. They're lovers. Uh, so apparently, when alpacas lose a member of the pack, they get pretty upset, Mike. If one of the pack dies, the other pa- alpacas will grieve. Sometimes for months. For, for months? months? Yeah. Oh, and I was, no. I was thinking, that's got to be tough for the farmers. Like, if you go out there to the alpaca barn, and you're like, all right, guys, head out to the field and graze. And the alpaca just looks at you and is like, do what, Bill? Eat grass for another day? <laughs> what does it all mean, Bill? Are we just going to sit here and act like everything's fine when we both know we lost a fine alpaca just two weeks ago? Uh. Every day when I look down at grass, I see his face. Every day when we go to our crapping spot, I think about him. <laughs> for what? How are we going to carry on his legacy? <sighs> Oh, not man, for me, Bill. It's just not in for me today. I'm gonna stay in the barn. Jeez. Like, how do you, how do you do that if you're the, the, the Bill the farmer? You're just like, yeah, bro. You have to be the emotional. Support exactly. Animal. You care for each other. You both grow, yeah. Mike. You <laughs> both grow. Now this one, this is the uh, the last two. They didn't finish the list with uh, good good alpaca facts here the last two uh the second uh, second to last alpacas arrange themselves according to color huh which i gotta be honest mike that just sounds racist to me i don't uh i don't believe that i mean if i'm if i'm an alpaca farmer i'm gonna i'm gonna mix them i'm like no 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 that doesn't happen in this farm guys (laughs) no way you know, but apparently they say they do it because they confuse predators that way. They try oh, okay. to make it look like it's one giant animal. And I just, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. I feel like hmm. one of the groups is over there and they just sort of, they, they go over to the predator and they're like, hey, see, see that group over there not paying attention? I'd say you could pick them off pretty good. 
I'm just saying. We'll even distract them if you want. We can we can talk to that group, and you won't even you won't even have to work. Like I don't know. I don't. I don't buy it, Mike. I don't like yeah, this. I don't, I don't like the separating into fleece color. That is not... We're all alpacas here. Let's learn to yeah. work together. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Uh, I agree. Lastly, the last one, they do spit. Wait, what? That's the last fact. They do spit, Mike. Apparently, if they feel like you're going to eat their grass, they're going to spit some of their grass into your face just to let you Ooh. know... This is my grass, and I'd rather chew it up and spit it on you than you have some to eat, okay? Don't even try to take my grass. That's, so, they're pretty, I mean, I think that settles it. They're pretty touchy about their grass, and they're yeah. pretty emotional animals. That's a fact. Okay, that's, that's it. I think what's I their, think what's their uh, range on the spit though? What the heck, how far are they? Oh, they can go. Was that they, they, the <laughs> spit can fly? Yeah, it can it can go pretty far. I mean, it's not in there, but you know what? Follow it up with the N95 mask. I'm gonna find out how far they <laughs> okay. can spit. All right, yeah, uh, it's very okay. interesting that they do that. Okay, okay, Mike. I think it settled it. We're going to retire from the dog chief. We're buying a farm. We're raising alpacas. Mm -hmm. They're going to be protected by guard llamas, and we're going to live a lush life off of pricey poop, and we're going to have deep, meaningful conversations with our alpacas. <laughs> with our fleece jackets exactly. that were made from our very healthy, very happy alpacas. Amen. Amen. In the meantime, <laughs> do you want to fire the show up? Let's do it. All three engines up and burning. Two. One, zero, and liftoff. Oh, man, we have the band Wild Rivers on the show. That's right. Big time band out of Canada. Another Canadian band we have here. I'm very excited. We've had, carries on the long tradition of Canadian bands we've had on the show. We've had Crownlands. We've had the Sheepdogs. We've had Matt Mays. We've had Tim Baker, all from Canada. We've got another one on the show, another group from Canada, Wild Rivers. We're going to be talking to their guitarist, Andy Oliver. Very excited. He's actually, he also does solo work under the name Night Shifts. Mm, and his, okay. his, his newest song, guess who it features, Mike? Mm. Who do you think? Hmm, I've... I don't know idea. No idea, right? <laughs> it features the game. Say what? That's right, oh, the rapper, wow. the game. Yeah, yeah, very nice. cool. I, I like that guy. Can't can't wait to talk to him. It's gonna be a good time. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now uh, we're gonna face facts on these birthday suits, Mike. I don't think you're gonna get any of them. You know, uh, that's fair, but I'm going to have a really good guess. It's going to be a really, really good guess, whatever it is. These these three today, like I tried hard for October 6th, and there are just not many big, big names in, in the celebrity world for October 6th. So here we go. Uh, first one, born on October 6th, 1955 in Jackson, Michigan. Her birthday suit wearer was the son of two teachers. As a kid, he was a great student, but he also loved football. Hmm. He played at Parkside High School and then accepted a scholarship to the University of Minnesota. 
1977, he was awarded the Big Ten Medal of Honor, recognizing a player that excelled in both academics and athletics throughout his career. Even though he is a quarterback all through college, he was selected as a safety by the Pittsburgh Steelers because of biases against black players playing quarterback at the time. Mm. He won a championship with the Steelers in 1979, and he led the team in interceptions the next season. Our birthday suit wearer also is the last player to have intercepted a pass for a touchdown and thrown a pass for a touchdown in the same game. Jeez. He only played three seasons in the NFL, but then he went on to coach for 25 years in the NFL, most recently with the Indianapolis Colts 2002 to 2008. He won a championship with them in 2007. After retiring from coaching in 2009, he became an analyst for NBC, and he has worked the Sunday night football game since then. Name uh. that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. <laughs> See, I was worried. Uh, I was yeah. worried, Mike. I had Terry Bradshaw in my mind because of the Steelers, and I don't even know. Yeah, he did play for the Steelers, but he pl- he played G, with I, Terry Bradshaw. I don't even have I don't even have a guess for this. I mean, honestly, he, I, I, I he he did play with Terry Bradshaw. You are yeah. correct. That's the guy that he came in and threw that touchdown <laughs> pass for. It would be none other oh. than Tony Dungy. Oh, Tony, Tony Dungy. What? Yeah. You know, what? I had a, for a split second in my guessing bank, I had Tony Dungy in my mind, but I was like, no way, mm. that guy is way too skinny to be a football player. <laughs> He's yeah, he was, man. He's a football wow. player, a football coach. He was a uh, he was quarterback in college, and uh, he's actually if you ever watched the thirty for thirty on Michael Vick. Uh, he had a lot sort of of uh, to do with Michael Vick's sort of redemption back into football after the whole dogfighting scandal. Wow. And, uh, you know, he talks in the documentary about how he was a black quarterback in the 70s and basically nobody wanted to take him on as a quarterback just because he was black. And he was. He was a, he was an amazing quarterback in, in college, and then he got to the NFL, and they were just like, uh, do you want to play safety? What? And he was like, no. And they were like, uh, too bad. That's what we got for you. That's it. Mm. Like, so he, you know, he, 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 that's one of the reasons why he didn't have nearly as long a, a career in the NFL. But he, uh, he, won a, he won a Super Bowl as a player and as a coach. Pretty but amazing didn't career. He, he used to teach, or he teach. He used to uh, coach the Bucks. Didn't he leave the Bucks right before they won the championship? Before, yes, and right then uh, then what's his name? That's now who they also played each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that was great. What a great game. Yeah. Tony Dungy, man, good coach, good coach, yeah. and now he he does his thing uh, announcing. He looked a little goofy this past weekend. That it started raining at Foxborough Stadium there, and they all had their umbrellas when they were doing their sideline. And I was like, looks pretty goofy, guys. <laughs> I mean, they just, I mean, you're you're in a football game, you're trying to look manly, and they're all sitting there with their umbrellas, like you, yikes, rain, scary. Like I was like, <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. Elect- you know, if they're using uh, microphones, electricity, I don't know. I guess that would be my only concern with uh, water. If I had an alpaca fleece on, I wouldn't be worried. <laughs> be like, guys, this insulates me from any electrocution. I'm not worried about it. I'm completely fine. 
Anyways, happy birthday to Tony Dungy, turning the big 66 for Tony Dungy. There we go. 66 for Tony Dungy. Get it, Tony. Uh, Mike, are you ready? We're going to yeah. rip some headlines. Let's hear them. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, uh, Mike, you can rest easy tonight. Uh, not just because we're going to be getting alpacas, but also because Ermgard Fuchner has been captured by police. Word. Mm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, now she she was fleeing from her trials for murder. Yeah. Mm. She was sus- she was suspected to have aided and embedded thousands of murders. Now I'm sure you're probably like, what murders you ask? At a Nazi concentration camp. What? Yeah. Mm. Ermgard was a stenographer at the commandant's office at the concentration uh, camp of Stutthof. Ermgard is 96 years old. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So first off, Mike, I'm going to say her running from the cops... Must have been at a pretty slow pace. Let's be honest. <laughs> 96 years old. She's not going anywhere too fast. But I, I just thought about this story, and this has been happening a, a fairly good amount in Germany, but, like, don't get me wrong, Mike. I'm all for trying someone associated with the horribleness that went on with Nazis. Like, right. put them on trial, yes. For sure. But, but like... What have folks been doing for the last 70 years? Like, I, I mean, wouldn't it be a little bit more significant if you were if you were taking away this lady's, like, 30s or 40s in jail? Not her late 90s? Like, hmm. did it take you that long to get to her? Like, is the, like, I just, I also find it weird. Like, think of how odd it would be. Like, all the atrocities, all the horribleness that went on in World War II, and you're in Germany, and, like, this lady just went back to normal life after the war. Like, like in 1946, she's walking out to her mailbox and looks over at her neighbors, and she's like, whew, things got a little crazy the last couple of years, right? Weird. (laughs) Like, I just, I feel like it'd be strange. It'd be very weird. Yeah, it'd be hard to adjust. Nonetheless, Ermgard on trial. She's captured. She will stand trial, Mike. There you go. There you go. Uh, Mike, interesting. Oh, yeah. No, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, nothing. Nothing there. Um, I got nothing on that one. (laughs) Interesting story out of New Jersey. Uh, Evan Wexler. He's apparently a self-titled, this is his title, this is also what the New York Post called him. He's a self-titled meat mogul. Hmm. Hmm. He, 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 he uh, owns a meat packaging uh, uh, business. He's a 56-year-old meat mogul in New Jersey. And apparently the uh, meat mogul industry has been pretty nice because he has a very nice house and some very nice cars. He uh, he has a Mercedes, a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a Hummer, many other nice cars. And yeah. uh, interestingly, he says over the past two years, robbers have tried to steal his cars 
18 times. Huh? 18 wow. times. Yeah. Yeah. And so this this last time, the 18th time, they tried to steal his cars. Well, he wasn't having it. He saw them because he's installed surveillance videos. Mm -hmm. He saw them on the videos. He came running out with a rifle, completely naked, firing <laughs> shots from the rifle on his front porch. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, first, in case you're wondering, Mike, I don't know if there is a stereotype for this, but he looks exactly like you would think a 56-year-old meat mogul from New Jersey with a Lamborghini would look like. <laughs> I, I don't know, but like what I was imagining in my head when I read the story and then I saw the pictures, I was like, yeah, that fits. That's a fact. Yeah, that's, that's what I would think. Tell now, me... Tell me if I'm close here. Is does he look anything like the same guy who the I think he was like a lawyer, like where him and his wife came out of their house during the uh, the protest uh, with their guns? Yeah, yeah. Uh, had the same expression on his face. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Um, not a similar shape. No, no. He, okay. He's a, a little bit skinnier, a little bit like stockier. Like okay. he's he doesn't have as big of a midsection, but he's more, I guess, a little bit more muscular. Mm. You know, fueled off of that meat. Meat mobile. You know? Yeah. 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 Now, if, if anybody out there was thinking, like, well, how would they they these robbers get the cars? Well, it says yeah. in the article the thieves broke into his G wagon Mercedes because apparently. <laughs> He leaves keys in the other cars in the Mercedes. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. It then says that Wexler conceded he occasionally leaves his daily driver unlocked. Hmm. Oh, come on. He said, quote, I sometimes forget to lock the car, but most time, most times the cars are locked. Blam. Like, what? I like how the New York Post tries to make this a sad story about the meat mogul who's being terrorized by people trying to steal his million-dollar cars because he forgets to lock them. Like, come on, meat mogul. Be a little better than that. Yeah. Take your keys inside and lock your doors. How about yeah. that? Just try that first before <laughs> you start shooting them with your rifle naked. Like, although if I am the the robbers, when I see that, I'm definitely like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming back to this. house. <laughs> no, we're not coming back to this house anymore. Uh, mainly just because of the view. That's mainly not because of the yeah. rifle. Mainly the view. Yeah. Uh, Don't want to get Mike, shot by a naked guy. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, just the or image just shot in general. That, <laughs> the PTSD of waking yeah. up. Ah. Sweaty, sweaty meat mogul. Ah, <laughs> ah. Um, interesting story out of Cass County, Illinois. Uh, police are investigating a situation where a man was admitted to the hospital after being shot by a family member when, when he allowed the family member to, quote, Test out whether the bulletproof vest he bought worked or not. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so just a synopsis. 
Dude bought a, a bulletproof vest, wanted to see if it worked, gave the gun to his brother and was like, yeah, shoot me. Let's see how this goes down. Man. Man, the bulletproof vest company better watch out for a one-star review. <laughs> Quote, did not stop a bullet, would not purchase again. Sad! <laughs> Exclamation point. Mmm, rough. Rough. You gotta be pretty dumb mm. to do that, though, Mike. Yeah, you gotta test it on some other types of objects, maybe a pillow or, uh, you know, something else. Yeah. That- yeah, put a pumpkin behind it's, it's 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 the fall season. <laughs> a pumpkin. Put a pumpkin. <laughs> put a pumpkin behind that behind that vest. See what yeah. happens to the pumpkin, you know? I mean, there are a lot of ways to test that vest than putting it <laughs> on yourself. Just oh, Maybe they just on. need to rebrand, maybe not bulletproof, maybe bullet reduce reduction. Well, absorption. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what every vest is. I mean, that's what all <laughs> of them are. It, it depends. Some degree, it depends. Yeah. Like that's what it said in the the story. Like it depends on how close you are, what type of gun it is. There's like all kinds of. Th- it doesn't stop mm. everything. You're not Superman. Like yeah. come on. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Mike. Last story before break here. A Missouri man was arrested this past week uh, for methamphetamines when the uh, police were tipped off by a citizen that called it in to the police because they had noticed on a social media ad where this man was selling a catalytic converter. But in the picture of the catalytic converter, there was a large bag of methamphetamines (laughs) on the table and syringes on top of a spoon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Catalytic converter in quotes. (laughs) <laughs> Catalytic convert. Now, Mike, I know this is aside the point, but they actually showed the picture in the story. And I got to say, no presentation value at all. <laughs> no, like, it's sitting on the edge of the couch. It's got bad lighting. It's almost like this guy wasn't trying to sell his catalytic converter. Like, hmm. it's almost like he was distracted by an extremely addictive drug that distorts your personality and make it hard to function in society. I don't know, but it seems like that. I don't want to. I don't want to stretch things here, but I'm just saying. It's uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't maybe. know. Maybe just the, maybe just a but little bit. In case you're wondering, the catalytic converter is no longer for sale. Hmm. Uh, okay. Now, apparently, you can't keep selling things once you're in jail. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, but apparently, sad for that man. Uh, hopefully, sir, you get help for that methamphetamine addiction. Let's. Let's help you get it out. And you sell your catalytic converter. You know, full circle. I'm hoping here in a little while both things happen. But anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest of honor. This is Wild Rivers with Weatherman right here on the Doc G Show. Rolling down the window of the driver's seat Looking for a place to breathe
Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. Listeners, if you haven't done so, or, you know, if you're just a regular listener of the radio show and you haven't yet voyaged into the listening of podcasts, I implore you to do it. Word. Please go out and just, you know, subscribe to our podcast. And uh, it'll make me happy. That's what it'll do. It will make me one-fifth as happy as I would be if you were to gift me with a alpaca. <laughs> one-fifth. So if you get five people to subscribe, I will be as happy as if you would have got me a full alpaca. That is a high happiness level, Mike. Yeah. That is up there. Yeah. So just saying, you can do a really good deed if you subscribe to the show, guys. 
Uh, Mike, let's thank the regulars. Here come some shout-outs to the regular cities. Here we go. Shout-out. Shout-out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Jittawa, Italy, Peoria, Illinois, Ashburn, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Winfield, West Virginia, Tulsa, Oklahoma, San Diego, California, Citrus Heights, California, Barcelona, Spain, Katy, Texas, Richardson, Texas, Anoka, Minnesota, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Boardman, Oregon, and Frankfurt, Germany. There we go. Shout-out. Shout out to those guys. Regulars, through and through, Mike. All of them hearing our we voice week in, week out. We do love them. Yes! We do love them. Semi-regulars, we love you a little less because you're semi, <laughs> but we still what? we still love you. Here we go. Shout out to Rochester, Minnesota, Baxley, Georgia, Burlington, Vermont, Honolulu, Hawaii, Martins Ferry, Ohio, Turpin, Oklahoma, Hollywood, Florida, Mountain View, California, Old Town, Maine, Toronto, Canada, Atlanta, Georgia, Clearfield, Pennsylvania, Portland, Oregon, Mobile, Alabama, Plano, Texas, North Vancouver, Canada, and Bucharest, Romania. Mm, there we go. Nice. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Good crew. Good crew this yeah, week. Definitely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Burlington, Vermont. I'm going to say that was Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah. I thanks, appreciate Bernie. you listening. It's very nice. It's very nice. Uh, Mike, every now and then, I actually remember to follow up on something that we talked about on a previous show. (laughs) I remember to do that. It usually doesn't happen. I have all these notes right beside uh, all of our equipment here. Uh, and I have the N95 mask and how far <laughs> alpacas spit for next week. And I probably will never get to it, but I've got them right there. Um, usually, though, I forget. This time, I did not. And when I remember, we covered in a segment called Previously on the Doc G Show. Mm. Previously on the Doc G Show. So... First off, Mike, and previously from the D, uh, Mike huh? uh, Doc G show, can't even get the show right. Uh, a detail we need to update the listeners on. We talked about it, but we didn't say it on air, I remember. It was Joan Jett's birthday the other week. You guessed Melissa, mm-hmm. Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> I said they were probably roughly the same age. We took a, a, took a look. They are. Melissa Etheridge, <laughs> 60 years old. Joan Jett, 63. So you're pretty close. You're pretty close. So just clear that up for listeners there. He was close with an age. Uh, Second second, uh, item we need to do. You told listeners you were pretty sure that there was a candy that was just the ends of the Nutty Buddy ice cream cone. And you were correct. That's right. You sent me the link after the show. However, the orders do come in packs of five. Five bag packs. And uh, neither of us were willing to make that type of commitment. <laughs> nope. That's. Uh, I mean, no. it was like $27 for the bag, yeah. the five bags. And I was like, whew, I don't know. I mean, plus, like, if I go through those pretty fast, I'm going to feel like a bit of a fat <laughs> Like, I'm going to be like, that was... That was a lot of chocolate waffle cone candy there. That was yeah. so true. This is too much. Too much. But in case you're wondering, listeners, go out there, get some. Get them. They'll be delicious. I guarantee it. Uh, The third thing that I wanted to update you on, uh, several weeks ago, we told you about a pair of Michael Jordan's underwear that was going up for auction. 
Well, I would have mm. told you earlier, but they kept extending the auction. Apparently, this wasn't a super hot item, Mike, but it did wow. finish selling. They ended up selling it last week for $3,340. Wow. Well, I should say $3,340.80. Hmm. $0.80. Don't forget the $0.80, cents, which I don't know if there was somebody that be, uh, that, that bid $3,340 and then somebody outbid them by $0.80. Cents. They're like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't go up any higher. That's, I said $3,340. Yeah. I'm sticking with it. Uh, I I thought about it, Mike, and I only hope the person that actually ended up buying them, I hope they properly memorialize that pair of underwear. Mm-hmm. Like I hope they get a, a, a you know they frame the underwear and then they put a picture beside the underwear of the bodyguard John Wozniak yeah. doing the shoulder shrug. From the last dance with the caption, <laughs> this dude took this pair of underwear from Michael Jordan. Like, that's... If they don't do that, they're not properly cherishing the memory. They're yeah, not doing it. That would be the perfect way to do it. That's it's what like I'm saying. Meme. It's, like you're, exactly. it's like you're framing a meme. Exactly. <laughs> and you got the proof. You got the proof. Well, there we go, Mike. A little previously on the Doc G Show. Good stuff question though real, what was the do you, do you remember or did we even talk about like the starting price for those boxers was there a start yeah it price? was really cheap what it was it was starting at i mean like I, i'm not sure if they had a minimum a minimum bid entry yeah. but uh um it was like uh i forget what the low was like it started at like a hundred dollars or something okay. like that hmm it it worked it's it's a little way up there but it didn't it you know it i was thinking i was thinking at least five digits you know but yeah no no uh anyways mike i got two stories that i wanted to to go over real quick that we didn't have a chance uh mike have you ever played a full round of golf no no not a golfer i'm a driving ranger but i'm not a golfer Okay, yeah. It's been a long time since I've actually played a full <laughs> round of golf. I I have. I've played multiple rounds of golf, but uh, haven't done it in a really long time. And if anyone out there is planning on doing it again, I would advise you not to do it in Alabama. Word. Because mm. apparently people are being attacked on the golf course in Alabama. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so a group of three dudes, they were playing in a local tournament at the Craft Farms Golf Resort in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And while they were on the third hole, someone blew an air horn during their backswing of each of their drives. What? Come on. Yeah. Blam. Exactly. Exactly. And they saw a guy that they thought was either about high school age or college age that they were pretty sure did it. And they went over to confront him. And they started arguing with him. When they started arguing with him, several other young men in camouflage, hiding in the woods, jumped out and started beating the golfers. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, and one of the golfers was taken to the hospital with severe cuts to the head and missing several teeth. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. 
Chad Leonard, the general manager of the resort, told the newspaper that he's never seen anything like it uh, in the 25 years that he's been in the golf industry. He said this was a completely isolated event. These guys could have picked any golf course in the area. We were the unlucky ones. Um, First off, I'm glad Chad said he's never seen this happen before (laughs) because... I would say the Craft Farms Golf Resort is not the place to play for most golfers if it is a regular occurrence. It's not a good thing to be like, well, you may. It's like a 50-50 chance that you get beat to the hospital. <laughs> this hasn't Just, happened in two and a half weeks. This is Yeah, yeah, you should be good. It's been a little bit. Um but like then I was thinking I was just thinking like stop with me, listeners, and think about how ridiculous of a plan, how dumb these six high schoolers have to be. Like, just think about this whole situation. Like, six high school friends sitting around on a Friday, like, hey, what, what are we going to do this weekend? Hmm. And one guy's like, okay, okay, hear me out. Here's what I thought we'd do. We will go to an amateur golf tournament. We're going to spend like an hour or so dressing up in camouflage. One of us will just wear regular street clothes. The guy in street clothes will pick out a random group in the tournament and blow an air horn during the golfer swing, which will screw the golfer (laughs) swing up, which will be hilarious because we're screwing up the one thing that this old man cares about in the world. Seriously, the only thing this guy thinks about in his whole life is golf, and we're ruining it. Yeah, yeah, we're screwing those dreams up because he won't be able to concentrate. It will be fantastic. Then he'll come over and try to fight one of us. That's the guy that's in the street clothes. But here's the hilarious thing. He won't know that five of us are in the woods. And we'll jump out, overwhelm him, and we'll beat him to the near brink of death. I'm talking teeth knocked out, giant lacerations, a real assault. And again, I can't stress enough, this is very important, completely for no reason. Wait, what? We will do this for no reason. So to summarize, guys, here's what I was thinking this weekend. We're going to... In this guy's entire life, essentially. We're going to upend his health, his pastime activity, his daily life, perhaps his financial life. And I can't stress enough to you guys, it's for no reason. Sounds like a good Saturday, am I right? Huh? Who's, like, what the f*** started that? Like, who was like, yeah, let's continue down this road. This sounds good. Like, come on, guys. I know you're 16, but it's just dumb. Just dumb. Yeah, it's really Like... Like the camouflage too? Like that's just taking it over the edge. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, Mike, real quick story here. Little news about rich people. Uh, once again, there was a jump in the richest person in the world list. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Elon Musk took over as the richest person in the world. Once again, he hopped over really? Je- Jeff Bezos. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes, he passed the $200 billion mark and uh, passed uh, Jeff Bezos once again. Uh, When Forbes contacted Elon Musk last week, he uh, sent them an email that said, quote, I'm sending a giant statue of the digit two 
to Jeffrey B. along with a silver medal. <laughs> Which is ironic, Mike, because uh, I'm sending both of them a giant statue of a middle finger and a medal <laughs> made of dog <laughs> sh So, uh, like, seriously, though, come on, does it matter who's first? Both of you have made more money, and this this isn't a joke. I did the calculation on this, Mike. Most, both of them have made more money than the entire population of Argentina's net worth. Mm. Wow. Every single person in Argentina, all of their money combined, you take 30 million people of Argentina, Jeff Bezos has more money than them. Yeah. I've seen like the, I don't know if you've ever seen some of these like ways that people try to help you understand how much money $200 billion is. Yeah. But it's a lot of money. It's insane. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's insane. Like, so a billion dollars is basically a thousand million dollars, right? thousand million, yeah. So if, yeah, if you have 200 billion. 200,000 million. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. 200,000 so million. And think about it, 30 million people of Argentina, and these guys have more than all of them. Girl, come on! All of the people in Argentina. They could basically buy out all of the people in Argentina. Or if for some reason every single person in Argentina lost all of their money, they could be like, I can spot you. I'll still have some money <laughs> left over. We can spot you. Like, that is too much money. Like, come on. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. I heard something also like... This is... I could be off on this one, but if you made like $5,000 a day since the day that Jesus was born, you still wouldn't have enough. Like, you still oh, wouldn't yeah. come close to the amount of money that Jeff Bezos no, no. has. You could, you could probably, I, I mean, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to check the math on this at break, but you could probably <laughs> do $50,000 a day since the day Jesus was there and you wouldn't have that type of money. I'm going, you could almost have 500000 and you wouldn't have it. I'm going to check 500,000. I'll be okay. back with the answer okay. after after <laughs> our guests, guys. Guys, well, we are going to show. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> oh, I can calculate it that fast. Don't worry, Mike. Okay. Uh we will be right back with our guest of honor, Andy Oliver from Wild Rivers right here on the Doc G show. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very happy to have lead guitar uh, guitarist for the fantastic band Wild Rivers. He's also known for his own music under the moniker Night Shifts, Mr. Andy Oliver. Andy, how's it going? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Just uh, We just got into Boston on our tour, and uh, yeah, happy to be chatting with you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I saw, so the tour, you guys started out in Colorado. You worked your way to the West Coast, then down through Texas to Atlanta 
to the northeast where you're at now, and then you're going to end up in uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, first off, how's it felt being back on the road after a year and a half off? It felt so so good. I I'd kind of forgotten how much I needed this and how much I, I love it. It's been great. The crowds have been awesome. It kind of feels like uh, everyone at the shows. It's their first shows in a while too, so there's just like this new energy. Um, yeah, it feels so good to be back. Nice. Yeah. Now I've I've heard you talk about how much of a studio guy you are. So I was wondering if it would bring back your love of of uh, playing in front of people, or if you just fall more into I'd like to be in the studio. But apparently, more more playing shows, huh? Yeah. For some reason, this time out, I've felt like more comfortable than ever. I think it was just got a little stir crazy spending so much time in the in the studio the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this this time has been it's been great. Nice, nice. Now I saw a little update on Instagram as far as the tour. You you guys were playing a little Mario Tennis on Switch. Uh, now I'm gonna... oh yeah, it was actually uh, Mario Kart, Mario Kart. But we've also been playing tennis in the van. We've been doing the whole thing. No, the routing's been crazy this tour that we've had so much time to. Uh, play stuff in the van, so it's been good. Yeah, well, I was about to say if it's Mario Kart, who are you usually driving with? I've been uh, been sticking with Baby Mario lately. Oh, um, in the sneaker cart, and it's it's working for me. Very got nice. good handles. Not a lot of top speed, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Julian, the drummer in the band, is the current is the current champion. So I'm trying to take him down. Who, who's he usually go with? Uh, he usually go. What's his name? Um, Ludwig. Mm, wow. He's like a new character with big blue hair, and I think it's because his drums are also Ludwig brand. So <laughs> He's got brand loyalty. Con- you know? Connection. Con- I'm I'm a I'm a toad man all the yeah. way. If I'm going, I'm going classic. Toad man. Okay. Yeah, I'm going classic from the original all the way back to Super Nintendo. I've got to go one of the classics. You guys are going new people on me. That's it's that's wild. I I don't know. Yeah, I got, yeah. Got to go classic. Being an old millennial with it, but next time we uh, when we run into you, we'll have to we'll have to have a match. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We can we can do it online. Probably. Uh, positive you guys would do it online yeah if you got if you got if you got a uh you know good connection as long as you got a good connection we can we can hit it up yes! you guys have a new album coming out at the start of 2022 sidelines and i know uh fans are are excited about this because it's been almost it's been almost six years since the the first album there uh before we talk about the album i wanted to take the listeners back as far as just you getting involved with Wild Rivers, um, I think from your your night shifts work, it's pretty obvious you're into like a lot of different types of music, uh, you, and you you've got hip hop sort of inspired beats. And I actually heard Kanye West, uh, college dropout, was like a huge inspiration for you. Did beat making come first, or was guitar playing first? It kind of happened about the same time when I was like maybe twelve years old. I. Uh kind of lived two different musical lives. I had, um, uh, I played, I played competitive basketball and, and kind of, uh, my friends in that, in that group all kind of introduced me to hip hop. And, um, I wasn't very good at the rapping side of things, but they would rap and I would like make little beats and stuff like that. And then, um, at school, uh, I played in like a, a cover band kind of thing. And I started to learn guitar and, and I kind of kept the two, two paths pretty separate for a while. And then, um, eventually like, when I was maybe grade 11 or 12, I started using kind of the drum beats from the hip-hop side and the guitar and vocals from the band side and started combining it. And that was kind of like the formation of what 
currently night shift. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, like, so I, uh, I mean, I saw also that, that the strokes at that time were a fairly big influence. Was that what got you into sort of guitar playing? For sure. Yeah. That's still one of my favorite bands of all time. I was playing it in the, in the band yesterday and yeah, I love them. Very nice. Very nice. Well, now on the hip hop side, I can't breeze over the fact and I want to play the song uh, a little later in the show, but <laughs> you just, you released uh, a new single, Night Shifts, and uh, the single's 20s, and you worked with The Game. The Game, which <laughs> I think is the, the coolest thing. Me and my co-host, Mike, were talking about situations like this that you had because the the song there, your cover picture, is a picture that you took back when you were like 10 years old when you met The Game in front of a hotel like that and, and and now you're making a, a a song with him you made a song with him like that's so that's so crazy full circle uh i gotta say first, yeah. first of all give us a little bit of a background on how you met him when you were 10 and then give us a little bit of a background on how he became part of the song for sure yeah one of the most ridiculous situations that ever happened in my life but it, <laughs> uh when i was 10 i was walking around with my parents and uh I was like a big fan of kind of like the G-Unit stuff and, and uh, yeah. I just recently, like within like a couple months leading up to that, gotten into the game and uh, I saw him walking out of a hotel mm-hmm. and I just like, just like ran across the street, left my parents and, and like <laughs> ran up to him and I was like, oh, the game, like I love, I love your music and uh, we, he just like was super nice and stopped and chatted with me and my mom was like chatting with his like, uh, his kind of crew of people and uh, <laughs> we just like... He spent like 15 minutes talking to me and we took a, we got a picture together and then, um, and yeah, and it kind of just went home and showed, showed all my friends and, and that was like a huge moment in its yeah. own for me. Um, and then like a uh, couple months ago, um, we were in band practice for Wild Rivers and uh, I saw the game like post on in- Instagram, like um, just like at calling out for any like kind of independent artists that he might want to work with. And I, uh, I sent him, the picture and and told him the story and he was he said he remembered it and i don't know if uh, <laughs> i don't know if i believe that but he he said he remembered it and uh and i was like hey like i have this a song that i think you'd be great on and he was like yeah send it over and uh the next day within 24 hours he sent back the verse on it um and it's just like this surreal full circle man moment that's awesome that is that is an awesome shoot your so- shot sort of situation man i uh I feel like if I saw the game say that, I'd be like, "Nah, probably he's probably not gonna look at my stuff." Like, yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah. Like I really, up until the moment it was out, it felt like a very much like a too good to be true kind of thing. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm so happy it happened. Very cool. Very cool. I do say I gotta say I know you were like ten years old and you were jazzed, but man. You got a mean mug when you're with the game and that picture. You're just too happy. You're like, "Woo, I'm here!" Right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a, there, yeah, there's no way I could have been cool in that moment. <laughs> I was too excited. <laughs> yeah, plus being ten, it's it's a little it's a little bit of a b- big ask there for a ten year old. Totally. It, it's I, a, I still don't think I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome track though. It's only been out about a week and it's already got two hundred thousand streams there just on Spotify. So. Listeners got to check it out. They'll check it out here on the show here in just a little bit. But uh, let's let's go back to Wild Rivers. The band started uh, with Devin and Khaled playing as a duo, and they met 
2015, they met at, at Queens University. Now, was that where you met them? Were you going to Queens when you met Devin and Khaled? No, no, I was going to a different school. Um, but yeah, Devin and Cal met at Queens and we're kind of doing uh, like coffee shops together and more of an acoustic singer-songwriter duo kind of thing. And yeah. um, they wanted to put together the first album and uh, they met my friend Ben, who's a drummer who I grew up with uh, and played in a band together in high school. Mm -hmm. And he went to Queens with them um, and they started kind of getting ready to make this album and they're like, oh, we want someone to play guitar and bass. And, and so he connected me with them. Nice. Um, and yeah, we just met in, in Ben's parents' basement, and uh, there was a show like two weeks later that they were that they wanted to play as a full band for the first time. So we kind of just just started jamming and uh, and never really like talked about whether it was going to be a a full long term thing or anything like that. We've kind of just kept kept rolling from there. Yeah, but now was that the the first live show? I think it was documented on. Instagram. I think that October second, two thousand fifteen, was was when I saw the uh, the first live show. Do you remember playing that show? Yeah, that sounds about right. There was two within like the same couple weeks of each other. There was one that was like uh, um, just in a big outdoor thing for the, their school's homecoming, which was which was really cool. And then the other one was opening for this band called Always, which I was like a a huge fan of at the time. They're like a, a Canadian indie indie yeah. rock band. So uh, yeah, both both very memorable first shows. What What do you remember about the show? Was it what I mean? Was it clean? Was it smooth? Oh no, very <laughs> unsmooth. About <laughs> everything, like yeah, we're total total amateurs. But uh, I just remember it was kind of I played like kind of little dinky shows in in high school, and it was the first time that it felt like a little more a little more professional. But uh, yeah, there's some kind of some kind of magic there and even in the very early days there was like people coming out and singing along so i knew uh it felt felt special it felt like we had a lot of work to do but it felt it felt a little bit of magic nice night now so uh devin and Khaled obviously had like you said they were doing a duo thing they were they were playing gigs before and they had a pretty you know good musical relationship going uh coming in as the guitar player like how did you fit yourself into the group did you feel like you had to find your niche or was it just did everything fit well from the get-go you felt like you know you were already part of that that creation process I, I do feel it took a little while for me to find my like where my kind of role musically in the band because mm -hmm. they are so so talented and, and so self-sufficient that um that that did take a little while and and on the non-musical more personal side we kind of just like clicked very easily so i was i was happy to take the time to to kind of figure out what that would look like and i actually joined the band playing bass and uh i really i like playing bass but it's not my like passion or anything so yeah i slowly pawned off the bass to dev and kind of took over some the electric guitar and and did more singing and uh and yeah it was kind of more in the studio that i i felt like i could really contribute and um and yeah did some kind of like synths and sonic stuff and little twinkles that you hear here here and there and uh yeah kind of it's always an evolving thing but um i feel i feel like we've all found a good spot now for sure for sure now like i mentioned before the album the first album came out in 2016 and and one of the first songs you guys put out before the album wandering child uh has 38 million streams now just on spotify 
38 million, which is insane. And uh, now it, it's wild because, again, you go way back on Instagram on that, and there's a couple of posts just, just a couple of weeks after it was released as a single, and you guys are celebrating 10,000 streams. And, <laughs> and like, just, yeah. just think you guys hit that mark 3,800 more times since then. That's absurd. Like, yeah. Like, did anyone foresee that kind of popularity? Like, did you guys, I mean, you know, when it hit a million and then it hit five million, you're like, what's going on with this song? Like, uh, I mean, did that catch you guys by surprise? Yeah, I mean, the 10,000, honestly, like 100 plays caught us by surprise. Every every kind of milestone like that is, like, super surprising. And, uh, and we're just, like, don't know exactly how it happens, but we're just, just grateful for it and, and uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of the same feeling every time, whatever the, that next step is. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think we just we got in there in the kind of that song kind of came out like right as Spotify was getting into North America, and I think we just kind of got um, got in at the right time where we were new music, and and the curators were still able to like personally listen to a lot of. The stuff because there wasn't as money as much music being submitted to it so yeah i think just the, the timing and everything worked out really well and it's just uh it yeah continued to grow which is for, awesome for sure now was that mainly what sort of inspired you was it was it the streams uh like sort of your your building uh a fan base as far as the streaming that inspired you to start doing sort of u.s shows yeah for sure it was uh we kind of had when we're doing local shows, we kind of knew that like our friends would show up and that our whatever families would show up and that a few tickets would be able to be sold. But yeah. it wasn't until we kind of saw the um, the back end data on Spotify for the first time where we were like, oh, there's like whatever amount of people listening in in New Jersey and in Buffalo and yeah. New York and uh, that the very the first tours we kind of booked all ourselves and 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 we booked them directly just using that. Uh, that information that Spotify provided. Now, were you, with those shows, were you like, hmm, were you still sort of wondering if people were going to show up? Like, all right, they might listen to the music, but they, we might not get anybody here. Yeah, 100%. And, <laughs> and sometimes that was the case. Like, uh, it, it still wasn't a direct kind of relationship between the streaming and the, and the shows. Like, some yeah. shows we figured that there would be some people there and there wasn't very many, but then some shows would be like, okay, no one's going to show up tonight and it would just be packed. So it's still, uh, it gave us a rough estimate and kind of like a confidence to, to book the shows, but it definitely wasn't uh, very predictable of what would actually happen when we got there. Yeah. Well, well, in those, you know, those three or four years leading up to the pandemic there, uh, who, what, what, uh, what U.S. city showed you the most love, would you say, that you could always count on like a huge... Huge crowd, excited crowd. Well, our first sold-out show was um, in Atlanta, which mm. was very surprising to us. We kind of, I don't know, just didn't figure it as the most like indie folk city necessarily. And yeah. then we got there, and it was like a pack pack show. Um, nice. And Denver's always been great, um, and New York, New York too. But that might just be a, a population thing. Just it's so yeah. big that um, some people are bound to come out. But yeah, like. Atlanta was probably the most most surprising and and awesome one. Definitely a cool city. Definitely enjoy some some good Atlanta time. Now, oh yeah. Now in 2019, you guys you guys went down to Nashville 
uh, specifically there, the Creative Workshop Studio in Berry Hill, and you recorded some songs. Uh, what what made you guys say, you know, let's let's head to Nashville? What was the idea? What what, what spurred that? Um, it was something we'd wanted to do for for a really long time. We kind of we all are like big music nerds in terms of like reading the the liner notes and the credits and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and, and uh, we just saw how how many great records were made in Nashville and kind of kept reading about the lore of it and uh, um, and just knew that there was tons of songwriters out there and yeah yeah we kind of went out there and it was it was our first time kind of like co-writing with people outside of the band and with with um, people that would be considered like professional songwriters and um, it was just like a magical experience we'd go we kind of split up into little groups it'd be like me and Cal or me and Devin and we'd, we'd uh, or Devin Cal and we'd meet up with one of these songwriters and um by the end of the day would have like a new song together and it was kind of just like a yeah an amazing addicting thing and then we went into the studio and recorded um our last uh ep there and um yeah there was just like plaques on the wall from all all these legendary records so it was, it was a really cool experience and felt kind of timeless it felt like a uh, i don't know like we were in the 60s or something like that now i so did you record all of the songs to break up to ep in nashville Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, uh, what was there any like? I mean, was there any strategy as far as who who you wanted to work with as far as the actual songwriters, or was it just basically like whoever wants to work with with us, let's do this? Um, well, actually, by then we'd had done a couple trips uh, to Nashville, so we kind of like found the ones that we kind of gelled the most with. Um, and so, yeah, so we worked with them and then uh, we worked with this producer named Skylar Wilson, who's this like awesome, hilarious dude that lives down there. And uh, he kind of helped assemble like the the session musicians. And we mm -hmm. had like string players and, and this incredible bassist named Eli Beard. And like, uh, yeah, just like the bar for for skill up there is like so, so high that it kind of like pushed us all to, to play even better. And uh yeah, it's such a cool experience. For sure. For sh now, uh, obviously, we, we we get a lot of artists from Nashville on the show. We've had a bunch of artists. It's hard not to. Uh, but it's, you know, yeah. Nashville, along with music, is known for food. And uh, I noticed you guys seemed to be fixated on the tacos while you were there. Mm. Uh, was, was that the oh, best yeah. thing you ate in Nashville? Or was there something else? that you would put up as your favorite thing that you had in Nashville? I think I'd put the tacos as my favorite, but we did do the Hattie B's like hot chicken of a course. couple times. Yeah. And, and that was the biggest experience. That kind of messed up our, <laughs> messed up our day <laughs> in, a, in a great way. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the most memorable one for sure. I don't know how many times, how many times a week I could eat that or, or a year, but, um, Oof. but it was a, very memorable experience. Our our co-host Mike, he just he just tried Hattie B's for the first time uh, recently, and <laughs> it was it was a magical experience. It basically changed his life. He, you know, and oh I, yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat as you though. If I if I did it more than like twice a week, I think I would need to be around some type of doctor to evaluate vital <laughs> signs most of the day to make sure i was okay uh where yeah what was the place that you you had tacos what was your your go-to taco place there 
Oh man, we had a ton of them. I can't. I honestly can't remember the place right now. And uh, just every tour since we've been on a on a taco hunt, so it's kind of a uh, all a big all a big uh, blur, huh? Taco blur, but yeah, uh, yeah. Let me let me let me. I, I keep a journal of all uh, <laughs> what we kind of do every day on tour. So so after this, I'll go back and, and, and check it out, and I'll send you a message. Nice. Uh, I I uh, I want to say I know tacos with a twist is close to Berry Hill. That's a good place. I know, like, the one that okay. I've heard heard the most in Nashville is Moss Tacos, but that's, like, on the other side of the city, so I don't think it was It was probably... That was... No, we had that. We did have that. That's nice. the one we had. Nice. Moss Tacos. Definitely a good place. That is... Uh, that's a oh, solid yeah. one, for sure. Um, now, along with Nashville, you guys, right before the pandemic, you guys actually went to L.A., and you stayed in L.A. longer than you did Nashville. It was about, like, four months, and that, that took you right up to basically the the pandemic uh, around February 2020. Uh, what was the idea there? Was it the same sort of deal, just like, let's let's try the other big music city, see see what creative juices we can get flowing? Yeah, it was that similar idea for sure, and uh, we knew we wanted to make this full-length album that had kind of been um, kind of looming on us for a long time. It, it, it we'd written a lot of songs, but they all felt like EP kind of songs. So we knew we needed to do something kind of special to try and to try and make this happen. And uh, yeah, the plan was to go down there for like four or five months in uh, in Silver Lake, and we rented a house together and just worked on songs like every day. Um, yeah, and it was an amazing experience. And I guess part of it, too, is to, to try and avoid the Canadian winter that year, <laughs> um, which, was, which was a treat. But Yeah. 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 Uh, now, were those... Uh, did you write most of the songs that are going to be on sidelines in L.A.? Yeah, yeah. I think all of them except for maybe two um, that had kind of existed prior to that, uh, and we just hadn't found a right home for them yet, but... Um, yeah, it was like a super fruitful, fruitful time. And we would just like explore during the day and all do our own things. And then come home and, uh, set up in the living room and just, just write together. Very nice. Very nice. So I saw you, uh, you also caught some NBA action while you were there and you, you were talking about how you, you were playing some ball earlier in life. Are you a, are you a big NBA fan? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a whole band, big Raptors fan. So we had to, we had to check them out while they were there. Some, yeah, I'm mean, against Clippers. Sad, sad last couple of years, man. First you lose Kawhi, now you lose Lowry. It's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. I have a feeling these next couple of years. It's not gonna be easy for the Raptor yeah. fans. I don't know. I'm excited. We were just watching some uh, highlights from the preseason game, and uh, our new rookie Scotty Barnes is looking looking pretty confident. So I think I think we'll be all right. That's that's the thing I love about Raptors fans. You guys are always positive. That's what I enjoy. Like, oh yeah, we're optimistic. If it were if it were a 76ers fan, they'd be like, "Oh, we're going to be horrible. We're going to be the worst team ever. You don't even know." Like so so sad about yeah, things. Yeah, no, we're, we're keeping the positive vibe over here. Good. Good. Well, like so you guys were getting ready for your first international tour when the pandemic hit. Like uh, you had this all, you had all these great spots in Europe. You you had spots in North America, and I mean, on top of that, you guys really hadn't been away from each other for a long time in like five years. What what was it like all of a sudden being 
away from each other and sort of, you know, siloed by yourselves? It was it was strange for sure. Like like for everybody, it was just a kind of a wild experience. And um, we were actually in Connecticut in March, kind of right before everything kicked off. Um, recording this album mm-hmm. and uh we're recording with this with this producer named peter cadis who d- did like the national albums and uh yeah. a bunch of kurt vile and like a bunch of great great stuff and uh and that was something we'd been like super stoked about and we were all set up in his house and uh yeah we just just started hearing the news and then it was like oh um they might close the border so we we're like have to <laughs> we have to get home and uh and just kind of hightailed at home and yeah it took a it took us a couple months to figure out like how we would keep working on the record and it it felt like we had a lot of momentum leading up to that point so we didn't want to we didn't want to let that go um and yeah kind of we didn't see each other in person but we were we were talking every day and uh and we fortunately kind of all are into the recording side of music and all like into the gear and stuff like that so we all have our own little setups in our bedrooms and our in our houses and stuff so we uh just kind of started to figure out how to do it more in a piecemeal way and like um we would each record our parts and send them to peter who would kind of mix it all together in connecticut uh and yeah it was uh, yeah tough tough experience for sure but but uh we figured out how to make it work and i think there was some cool um maybe some things that that wouldn't have happened on the record if that hadn't been the case like yeah uh, i think personally i'm a big I spent so much time working on music in my personal setup that I hadn't had the experience to do that with the band before. Um, yeah. So yeah, I felt felt in a way like it was it was comfortable as well. Um, yeah, you had a little more freedom. We, we got to- you had a little bit more freedom on your own, even though you were working with the the band's material. You didn't feel everybody. You got to mess around with it by yourself a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Like and comparing it to kind of when we recorded in Nashville, and there's like these expert like incredible session musicians watching you and stuff like that there's a lot a lot more pressure where this is i'm just like in my boxers recording like (laughs) 100 takes of this one guitar part and like yeah no pressure so it was a a very different uh different experience and and at the end of it yeah we got to kind of um all go up to like a cottage together and kind of put put the rest of the album together um and a couple weeks at uh the studio in in Kingston, which is near the school that they went to, so it it ended up being being great. Yeah, yeah, I saw that was the uh, the Bat House Studios, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now that uh, I mean, how you know, I'm guessing that was a little bit. That was definitely different experience as well, as far as compared to to Nashville and and LA. Did it seem sort of? I, I, I got a feeling it's got to seem a little bit weird when you have all these different experiences with the songs, like writing it in L.A. and then editing it on your own and then bringing it together again in this other studio. Do the memories come with it when you're when you're going back through the songs? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it feels super uh, dense in that way, like in previous times the kind of memories would just be tied to like one location that it was the song was recorded in or whatever but now it's like each each one has like a 20 different places it's tied to and and yeah it's it's cool for us to listen back and kind of like we're able to pick out all those different experiences within the song very nice very nice well now along with uh music i did hear out of one one interview you did that apparently during uh the pandemic you learned some magic tricks 
Were you doing magic during oh, yeah. during uh, the pandemic? Yeah, there was about a month. Uh, at the time, I was living with like four of my best friends, and just uh, um, thought I needed to. And this was kind of the month where we took a pause and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do the album and stuff like that. And I hadn't had so much time on my hands and basically since we started the band. So I was, I kind of, I had a phase when I was maybe like 13 years old where I thought I might be a magician and, uh, or maybe younger than that, maybe like nine years old. And, uh, uh, so before yeah, you met the game, grab it all of, uh, <laughs> what's that? Before you met the game. Yeah, exactly. Before I met the game, that, <laughs> these were changed my path. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. I just watched a bunch of YouTube videos and would just try them out on my roommates and us. Uh, they were extremely sick of it by by the end of it. But I got got a couple. I still remember now. But. Nice. Got a couple ingrained in there. Well, how much? Uh, outside of uh, Wild Rivers, how much did you get into? I mean, it seems like you got some pretty good work done with night shifts as well while you were uh, during the pandemic. I mean, that sort of seems like optimal time to write. For sure, yeah. I actually finished uh, finished an album that's coming out November twelfth. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was a uh, it was a bit of a uh, yeah like a big silver lining. It, it was kind of leading up to it part of me was wishing I had had more time to kind of work on these these other ideas and stuff like that and then um, yeah we're just given a big a big window to kind of do whatever so um, yeah I gotta get some other hobbies but I basically spent the rest of the time just working on the night shift stuff and and by the end of uh, the last couple of months I kind of finished an album very nice very nice well speaking of albums what can you tell us about the the sidelines album? As far as you know, I mean, like I said, it's been a big build up. You've had EPs, you've had singles that have came out as Wild Rivers, but you haven't had an album since that first album. So, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of growth. There's been a lot of change. What what can you tell us about this new one? I think it's going to be great. Honestly, I'm super super excited about it. And I think uh, the first album was like a very much. Um, a very folky album and a very very kind of one sonic palette throughout the whole thing and mm -hmm. and um and was very much focused on songwriting and this this new album like keeps the focus on songwriting but just like expands sonically a lot um and i think the whole band like dev and cal have, have uh just experienced so much more new music and have like um, grown their grown their taste and everything so much that uh, it's a much wider kind of scope um and yeah i think the journeys that the, that it went we took to kind of record it all you hear that in there and you hear uh the complexity but it's still it's still simple songs and 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 it's still focused around their their harmonies and uh yeah i'm i'm just really excited for people to hear it very nice very nice so now um Obviously, uh, we, we don't have the track list or anything, but and obviously you you worked on writing all these songs, creating all these songs. But which one are you jamming right now the most? Which one are you feeling the the most excited about? The one I'm most excited about is the the first track on the album. It's called More or Less, and it's uh it's just like an an epic epic intro to the album and. Uh, yeah, I have a hard time getting past it. I haven't listened to it back to the album too much, but but every time I I try to, I kind of just like get to the end of that song and want to hear that again. So I think <laughs> yeah, I think people like to take that. 
Nice, nice. I wrote it down. I can't wait. Now, now when the album comes out, I'm looking for it, and I don't have to look hard since it's the first song. More or less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it, Andy. We are up against a break, but I want to thank you for talking with us today. Thank you so much. That was it, lots of fun. For sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Wild Rivers at wildriversmusic.com. You can follow them on Instagram at wildriversmusic. You can follow Night Shifts at Night Shifts with two S's. Right now, let's take a listen to Thinking About Love and 20s by Night Shifts right here on the Doc G Show. Guess we got caught up with telling a lie. Now you're leaving me lonely. Could get in my car, end up drunk at some bar But that was the old me Remember the night that we slept on the floor And I'm just thinking about love
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. We just got finished talking to Andy Oliver there of Wild Rivers. And you just heard Andy Oliver's as Night Shifts with the single 20s. And you heard Wild Rivers. So true. Talking about love there. We got both. Both. Fantastic. He's part of both. He's doing both. Just great tunes. Great person. Good times, Mike. Good times. Good times. You know, I mean, I, I told him, though, it was like I said in the, the interview as far as me and you talking about that whole f- full circle thing. It's wild. I mean, and that's that's more wild than any story that I've had. Like, that you have that picture of meeting one of your favorite rappers, and you've had it for like 20 years, and then you're like, oh, I'm recording a song with him. Like yeah right. So uh, what what did what did you say? I forget the the comedian. You gave an example that you were touring as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, well, Joe Coy. I remember yeah. just watching his YouTube videos before I even got into stand up. You know, yeah. I thought he was. I thought he was like one of my favorite comics. So just like watching him, and then, and then uh, you know watching his YouTube clips, and he's like going out to eat with his friends, and they would go shoe shopping, and then. You know, fast forward 11 years later, I'm having lunch with them, going shoe shopping with them. It's just, it's just pretty wild. I don't know. Yeah. That was crazy to me. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, that I feel like that's the same level. Like, I mean, you know, he's doing the same thing. He wants to, wants to be a musician, sees the game, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm making a song with the game. That's, yeah. that's crazy, man. Cool. That's cool, though. Wild. Super fun. I'm excited about the Wild Rivers new album. I mean, they've they've let the fans wait six years. It's also pretty crazy to think. Like like I mentioned to him too, the uh going from in 2015, them being excited about their song Wandering Child getting ten thousand streams, and now that same song having 38 million streams like that's it's crazy yeah that's crazy i mean that i mean i definitely if i were them if i was celebrating ten thousand, i know i would not expect that thing to have 38 million sometime soon like that's crazy but can't wait for the new album it's gonna be good uh, thanks to Andy for coming on the show. If you get a chance, listeners, make sure you check out his stuff, Night Shifts. Make sure you check out his band stuff, Wild Rivers. It is fantastic. Listeners, I also need to update you. During that musical break, I did some math. That's a fact. That's right. <laughs> I did some arithmetic, and me and Mike found out that you could be paid $250,000 every single day since Jesus was alive and still not have as much money as Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you yeah. go. Literally, $250,000 a day since Jesus was alive, right? It's been a while. It's been yeah. a bit. You still would time. not have it. You would still be a several billion dollars short. Not just a couple thousand or anything, several billion dollars short. That's too much money. That's yeah. too much money. Somebody needs to have some of that money. Like, you know, I don't know. Poor people would probably be a better yeah. better place. Anyways, 
Anyways, <laughs> just thought I'd let you guys know I can do arithmetic fairly fast. So there you go. Uh, with the help of a calculator. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, Mike, it's time to do our last birth. Or, oh, oh, I forgot again. I forgot. I got so excited about our other stories. I forgot the two. You're going to have two failing birthday suits. Here we go. <laughs> Here's the first one. Uh, born on October 6, 1940 in Cleveland, Ohio, our birthday suit wearer served in the Army and then went to the University of Southern California. He opened a music agency representing musical acts in the mid-1960s. He represented The Who, Grand Funk Railroad, Carly Simon, Van Morrison, and Cat Stevens. By the mid-80s, he started switching over to rap because he knew how popular rap was becoming. He started Ruthless Records with Eazy-E in 1987. He is perhaps remembered most as the manager of N.W.A. He filed a lawsuit against the remaining members of N.W.A. for the movie Straight Out of Compton, but the lawsuit was dismissed in 2018. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer passed away in 2016 after a heart attack. Name that birthday mm. suit wearer. Uh, I just don't even have a guess for this. Like, yeah. I, I don't even have. Did, I don't did, even have a guess. Did you see Straight Out of Compton? I did, and like I've, I even watched the documentary, and like I just don't retain information, I guess, when I watch <laughs> these things. <laughs> like I, I don't know. It's uh, uh, pretty bad. Yeah, I guess I don't retain information. Well, that's that's a problem for yeah, school. It is. Uh, you know. Oh, it always it it, it always was. Little yes. bit, little bit. He was played. <laughs> yeah, he was the guy that was played by Paul Giamatti in the movie. If you remember that. But mm. anyways, anyways, does Jerry Heller ring a bell? Jerry, Jerry Heller, Heller was his name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No bells. No now, bell sadly, <laughs> I remember him uh, because um, Dr. Dre called him out on his solo album, Dr. Dre the Chronic, there. Uh, he calls out Jerry Heller several times because they were beefing hard at that time so when mm. when i was when i was like six years old i was mad angry at jerry heller i was like that guy's so <laughs> lame he's not hanging with dr dre i got no love for jerry heller of course i didn't know what i was talking about because i was like six <laughs> but uh you know they they had they had their troubles there and then they came back together a little bit and then he got angry again because of the movie he didn't think he was uh rightfully portrayed in the movie straight out of compton but regardless happy birthday to jerry heller he would have been uh 40 41 would have uh, sorry wow. 70 sorry 71 not 41 i was geez. like wow yeah <laughs> 71. He was born in 40. I was doing the math. 81. Good lord. Girl, come 81. On. I can't do arithmetic. I take <laughs> it back, folks. 81. He would have been today. Happy birthday to Jerry Heller. Let's do the second or the last birthday suit here, Mike. <laughs> not the second. Third. I got math. You will right. not uh, will not get this one either. I'm. In fact, if you get this one, um. I don't know what I can do. I will give you uh, Elon Musk's uh, his his fortune. That's what I'll do. Okay. I'll pay you his right. fortune. Uh, don't cheat because of that. I'm going to try uh, really hard on this. 
1963 in Wilmington, Delaware. Our birthday suitware was the daughter of a president of the International Food and Beverage Corporation, and her mother was the vice president in the private banking division of the Chemical Banking Corporation. So, pretty good family. Uh, she ended up going to Harvard but was trying to become an actress at the same time and eventually dropped out to focus on acting. She made her film debut in arguably one of her biggest roles when she played Allie Mills in The Karate Kid as Mm. Daniel's eventual girlfriend. She then starred in The Adventures in Babysitting. She starred in Cocktail with Tom Cruise. Starred in Back to the Future, Part 2 and 3. She starred in Leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage in 1995. In 2000, she went back to Harvard and earned her degree. Most recently, she starred in Greyhound, an Apple TV movie with Tom Hanks in 2020. Name that birthday suit wearer. I don't have her name, but I know who it is. I was was like going in Julia... Dreyfus, but you didn't mention the Seinfeld thing, and I was like, yeah, it's definitely not her, but I know she has rich parents. Uh, also, the owner of the Hawks, I know she has a very, she's doing really <laughs> well for herself. Also an actress. Not uh, bad but, uh, there. Yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, come on. Elizabeth Shue, yes. Yes, I know her best for her 80s movies, of course. Uh, for the uh, Karate Adventures Kid. Adventures in Babysitting for me. Adventures uh, in Babysitting. For me, it's Karate Kid and, and, uh, and Cocktail. Cocktail mm. is just so ridiculous as far as an 80s movie. Like, it's just, it's just like the perfect 80s movie. It makes, yeah. no, like, everything about it makes no sense. It's all just sort of, like, <laughs> visually pleasing, but, like, there's no, like... This guy wants to be a bartender, but he also wants to be a business mogul, and so he's just bartending on the side, but then it takes over his life, but then his great mentor becomes becomes like a, a arch rival instead. Like, it's just so, so ridiculous. Mm, I need to watch this. I've oh, never seen it. It's ridiculous. I got it. I got it in my digital library, Mike. I've got it. I, I don't have a hard copy of it, but I've got it in my digital library. So nice. I celebrate Elizabeth Shue and her work. I also have, of course, Karate Kid in my uh, digital library as well. Uh, I also have uh, Karate Kid Two. I do not have three. Three does not need to be celebrated, in my opinion. It's. Eh. <laughs> eh. Anyways, happy birthday to Elizabeth Shue. She's turning, uh, let's see, what is that? Almost 60. Wow. Elizabeth Shue turning uh, Mm. 58. 58 for Elizabeth Shue. That's wild. Did not think she was that. She looks pretty great for 58. Good for Elizabeth Shue. Good for Elizabeth Shue. And, I mean, she's got a Harvard degree. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, anyways, Mike, we got we to gotta talk about the next shows coming up real soon. I'm really excited about this next week. We've got a fantastic group coming on. We've got Darling Side. Then after that, we've got an artist coming in here into Jacksonville to play, uh, Sam Birchfield. He's going to be coming on the show. We're going to talk about his newest music out. We're going to talk about the show that he's got in Jacksonville. Can't wait to talk to him. But until then, we're going to have to wrap it up. For the Doc G Show, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. 
Thank you for having me. Of course. Been of great. course. We are gonna we are going to uh scheme. We're gonna scheme guys on the best alpacas to get. And then <laughs> we will back we will be back to you with our answers of best alpacas. Probably some that have been sired by Space uh, Cowboy would be my guess. They are uh, some of the finest, finest alpacas with the nicest fleeces. So mm, Nice fleece. Yeah, we'll probably <laughs> go with that. But we'll let you know, guys. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. <laughs> <laughs>